The Rod and Staff podcast comes out of the host's passion for Christ and his church. It exists to encourage a deeper engagement with issues that pertain to doctrine and life. Check us out at rodandstaff.org. Welcome to the Rod and Staff podcast. I am your host, Roger, along with my co-host, Jason. And on this episode of the podcast, as we're getting into the Christmas uh, season, we're going to talk about the humanity of Christ, specifically talking about the incarnations and all the implications of that for uh, our lives. Uh, but before we get into our topic uh, this evening, uh, Jason, here's my question to get to know you a little bit better. Um, you, like myself, had, grew up with brothers and uh Probably as brothers, you remember that you did a lot of crazy things as a child with you, with uh, your siblings. So, and you look back and think about your past, what was something you did that probably drove your mom crazy? Did you guys ever do something that you look back and just like, wow, that was really dumb. What were we thinking? I mean, that sounds like pretty much our entire childhood. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you mean? Uh, can I, I can't really pick just one. I mean, one of the, the funny things with our brothers, we're all actually uh, pretty distant in terms of our age gap. So mm. there's four years between the oldest and the second, four years between the second and me, and then five years between me and the youngest. Okay. So, so we didn't always hang out or anything, but one of the things I remember with, uh, I, I'm, I think it was with number two, Kevin, my brother, uh, we would just put the pillows all over the den and wrestle, just dive <laughs> off of the, the stairs, uh, jump on each other, elbow drops and all mm -hmm. sorts of things. And uh, I'm sure that as the younger brother, I, I got some nice jabs in that I could excuse as accidental. And uh, it, while we we're playing around, but mom would, would not be always very happy with <laughs> what was going on. But there's one other thing I remember doing that uh, one day we, we went to play tennis and came back to uh, uh, we came back home. My mom opens the door and my brother, Kevin, is just bloody from head to toe. Uh, she thought he got run over by a car or something. It was bad. And it was all because we were playing uh, my eldest brother, Michael, on one side and Kevin and I on the other. And I accidentally pulled the racket back quickly. Uh, <laughs> smacked my brother in the face and his lip was bleeding um, that terrified mom uh, as well yeah how about you guys yeah, any fun memories yeah the, i guess the one i think of and uh it's one of those ones where i don't know why but uh we used to uh, uh like to bowl a lot when we were mm. kids and you know you you see the bowling ball and i don't know if you've ever had the thought but I always thought, what's inside of the ball? Oh, what's no. it look like inside? So I don't know which one of us, I, I can't remember, had this just great idea that we would go up on top of the roof oh, and no. just drop it from the roof <laughs> to see what was inside. So we did that and it broke right in half and we got to see uh, what was inside. And uh, uh, yeah. I'm just glad it didn't, you didn't uh, break someone's head in half by dropping it on them. <laughs> that's, that's the good thing. Wow. Yeah. Fun yeah. stuff you do with brothers. Yeah, definitely. 
Well, let's uh, get into our topic. Uh, for it's very appropriate for tonight's topic, by the way. Absolutely. It's the best transition I think we've had yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we're getting into the Christmas. Jesus uh, had brothers, Roger. Jesus he, had brothers. He did. And he was perfect. It was all his brother's fault. Everything that went wrong. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Uh, but as we think about uh, Christmas and uh, you've been preaching on uh, the humanity of Christ the last couple of weeks, helping us to focus our minds on him coming, coming as a baby and all that means. And we think about that theologically, uh, we think about that as the incarnation, him coming down. So can you describe for us uh, what is the incarnation? Yeah, the, the incarnation really is Christmas. Um, God uh, taking on flesh, the second person of the triune Godhead, uh, taking on a human nature uh, so that he can live and die in our place. Uh, I, I made a maybe silly comment in one of the sermons that helps me to remember what incarnation means, but uh, I don't know if I should even say it now, but I just said, just think of carne asada, Carne being meat, you know, um, and it's I, the idea is it's flesh. He incarnate, he comes in flesh. Um, so, yeah, so Christmas is all about the, the second person, the triune Godhead entering into our flesh uh, for a purpose. Yeah, which leads into the next question of, you know, what are the implications of that human nature? What is the purpose yeah. uh, of, of the incarnation? Well, the, the purpose of the incarnation, right? The purpose of Christmas, of course, is Good Friday uh, and and Resurrection Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has to, uh, if if we are to be saved, if any human being, any fallen sinful human being, which is all of humanity after Adam, if anyone is going to be saved, uh, redeemed, the, Christ had to come take on our human existence so that he might live and die in our place, in our stead. So in order for there to be a substitutionary, substitutionary atonement, in order there, for there to be imputation of human righteousness so that we can stand before God, uh, he had to become human. He had to take on flesh. Um, so that, that's the, the, the real purpose for his humanity. Yeah, so the, as I think about it and I think about him coming, the necessity wasn't on his side of right. needing to experience anything. Right. He, he's all sufficient in, in the triune God, mm-hmm. but there is a necessity of a sacrifice so that we can be saved, right? That yeah. the act of him coming, living the perfect life, going to the cross and being that perfect substitutionary death is fulfilling all of the Old Testament of, right. of one to come. And so there was a necessity on that side. Yeah, and, um, and the necessity obviously comes with the, the, the fall when the first mm-hmm. Adam failed and was unable to uh, live up to the standard uh, that was required uh, there, the only hope was that a second Adam, or as Paul calls him, the last Adam would come. And so, so Christ taking on humanity is Christ fulfilling the calling of all humanity, uh, right? Doing what Adam did not do, could not do, failed to do. Uh, and he, so he had to be human in order to fulfill that role, seed of a woman, 
uh, seed of Abraham, the second Adam, and all these things, the true Israel, the true son of God, you know, these types and these prophecies and these biblical concepts all find their fulfillment in Christ taking on human flesh. You know, and, and, and I guess when we think about it and, and what it leads to is we think of it theologically of, of him coming down, him, him dying as a sacrifice. But there's another part that we don't often think about, which you've been challenging us on, is what is the humanity of Christ? How do we connect that to our own Christian lives, of our own understanding of how we relate to Christ? Yeah. Well, I think one of our problems has been, I, oh, I, I shouldn't say our problem. One of my problems <laughs> has been, um, it's, it's too easy to think of um, Christ as so different than me in his, even in his humanity. Mm. Um, I think it's Matthew Barrett in his book on, on, um, I think it's called none greater, his book on the attributes of God. He says, our problem in the way we view God is that we make him too much like us. You know, we kind of, mm. he's, he's wholly different than us. He's transcendent, et cetera. He, he talks about that. He does a great job in his book, but I was thinking in terms of Christ's humanity, we have the opposite problem. We, we don't make him enough like us. Mm. We think that he's totally different, even in when we're saying, yes, he's truly human. Uh, yet we make him so different so that we don't realize what we really needed and what he actually did for us. He lived out righteousness in his humanity, not in his divinity. His divinity mm. has always been perfectly righteous. He can't have, I mean, there's so many passages that talk about him learning, him growing, him obeying, things like that. That's that's about his humanity. And we have to understand that to also understand how much he understands about us. Yeah, and that, that leads into the passage that I always think about when I think about him relating to us or, you know, his him understanding us and his humanity is Hebrews. And uh, it's in Hebrews chapter four. Let me read the verses. It's verses 14 and 15, where we read, since then we have a, high, a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Hard to understand, right? If you, if you only think of his divinity or you're, you're yeah. thinking him as so different than our flesh. But the author of Hebrews is saying, no, no, he, he's just like us, except without sin. And he experienced all those weaknesses, except without sin in perfection. Uh, I, I don't know what you thought of the comment. I, I brought up Max Lucado's comment um, in one of his books where he said that, you know, G Jesus as a teenager probably had acne. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, what, what do you, what did you think? Did you cringe? Was it one of those cringeworthy moments or what did you think of that? <laughs> no, I, I just kind of thought about it and I was thinking, yeah, I've never, never 
cross my mind to think of that kind of experience because when I think about his humanity or I think of him understanding our weaknesses, I go straight to him understanding our sin and suffering. I don't think of him understanding just the normal kind of developmental things that we all experience. Yeah. Um, and, but he was human and had that, that, that experience. So it's not, it, you know, it's a valid thought. And, and those experiences, those day-to-day experiences pertain to the righteousness we need that we didn't have, right? That he mm-hmm. had to live out. You know, it's it's one thing, of course, at the temptations, you know, that he faced by, you know, Satan tempting him. And he clearly was able to overcome those temptations and, and defeat temptation and Satan in that regard for us on our behalf. But imagine the the fact that it wasn't just this one episode of temptations, it was a lifetime, 33 years of every day living out righteousness. I'm not saying he was mocked because of his acne. I have no idea if that was true or not, you know, Um, but there were certain things that took place in his life as he developed and grew that um, he endured and he was righteous each and every step of the way. He was righteous the way he treated his parents. He was righteous in the way he interacted. You brought up brothers. That's why I was saying it actually is appropriate. <laughs> he, he, he interacted with his brothers righteously. Um, when he faced temptation, he was righteous. When he faced suffering, mockery, all the things, he was righteous. And he experienced it in, hum- in his human nature, in his full humanity, um, w- at walking by the spirit, the scriptures indicate. And I think even pressing down further into that, I think I think you can it could be easy just to pass that statement up and say, oh yeah, well he was you know divine, so he he experienced sin, but it wasn't the same experience we go through. He doesn't really understand, you know, he was perfect, so you know it it, it was different. And although the experience is different, one of the thoughts about his experiencing sin is that only one who can feel the full weight of temptation to sin up to the point of not sinning really understands it. We so easily give in. We're tempted. We give in to sin, but think of experiencing temptation. Think of experiencing the full weight of that all the time and never sinning. Only someone like that truly understands what we're going through. And that's a comforting thought because it helps has helped me to think of, okay, Christ understands my weaknesses. He understands those failures when I fail miserably because he knows the humanity side of it. Well, I I thought what was a fascinating read, Bruce Ware has a book on the humanity of Christ uh, called the man Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. And, and he talks about the idea that Jesus could he have died as an infant and redeemed humanity? And it, it was an interesting question. I think he was the one that asked it. And then he, he, he built on that. He said, didn't the life that Christ live, lived, didn't that play a role in our salvation? And I think the answer is yes, mm-hmm. uh, absolutely. And, and think about what he lived out. He grew in wisdom and in stature. He grew in, if, if you can, I think we can say this, he, he grew in his relationship with the father in his humanity. He grew in that relationship where talks about this, this faith, even growing 
because he gets to a place where he's learning obedience. Not that he ever was disobedient, but he's growing each step of life to see how trustworthy the father is in every way. So that when he gets to the cross, uh, to the garden of Gethsemane, I mean, is there any more human moment in Christ's life when he's going, take this cup from me, mm-hmm. take this cup from me, but, but I, I trust you, right? Not my will yours be done. I trust you. All of that, that righteousness, that perfect human life, that perfect human relationship with the father, all of that was necessary mm-hmm. for our salvation. And he imputes all of that to us as well as takes our sin upon himself. So there's, you know, the active and passive, mm-hmm. as we say, righteousness of, of Christ for our, our sake. Mm-hmm. And so he experienced so much more than we, we give him credit for in a sense, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and even in the passage, in the Hebrew passage, we just read, you know, it begins with him um, uh, being the great high priest, exalting him uh, for the work he did um, uh, for our salvation. Um, and then even the work he continues to do now in his intercession for us um, um, as we continue to walk uh, in this broken world. Um, but I think of, of, of another part that that we should touch on and that yeah. is how does christ now he's exalted now he's uh, uh in heaven how does he how should we think of his relating to us as we go through this world that's full of sin and suffering you know we've talked about the dane orland book that we really uh, enjoyed reading gentle yeah. and lowly and how that helped us to think about how he sees us, how he cares for us and loves us, because it, it it comes out of this truth of his humanity, right? That that's that's why we can understand, um, or why he can understand us, right? Yeah, I mean, I want to be careful to to say that. Look, God in his perfection can understand, um, but in order to show us how much he understands, I think, he, yes. you know, that part of his humanity is helpful for us to understand. I think he perfectly still understood before then, but, yeah. but yeah, he's, he's able to sympathize and we're able to see that. Think about this. He still lives in the flesh. He still has, he's truly divine and truly human for eternity. And he's our high priest. He's advocating on our behalf before the father. He's reminding, not that the father needs reminding, but he's speaking the truth to the father regularly that they belong to me. They are mine. I lived and died for them. Uh, you know, his love for us is evident in his daily intercession for us. And that he imagined he is eternally remaining in flesh Um for our sake, hmm. um, I, I I think it was uh, 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 Thomas Watson who discusses that in his uh, chapter on it in, in the body divinity. He he just says the, the angels wouldn't take on our humanity. Uh, why would God take on human flesh? It's it's because He loved us, and I think uh, Ortland does a great job of kind of drawing our attention to 
the fact that even our sin doesn't change the love that Christ has for us. It actually, in a sense, increase that that's the very weakness he came for. Um, and he says, uh, he says, contrary to what we expect to be the case, therefore, the deeper into weakness and suffering and testing we go, the deeper Christ's solidarity with us. As we go down into pain and anguish, we are descending ever deeper into Christ's very heart and not away from it. And I loved that statement. Just gives us the heart of Christ. Yeah, and I think it's so antithetical to how uh, people initially think. Because mm-hmm. even, even though we talk about the humanity Christ, even though we're talking about his understanding, it seems natural to think God is still distant from us. Yeah. Right. And then we can get into uh, uh, our relationship to God is kind of this performance based, this obedience based, this right. moralistic living where we think we're relating to God because of what we're doing right. and not what he's doing and not what he has already done for us. And yeah. we get we get a wrong understanding of our relationship with God when it's just based on us. Yep. It, it didn't start with us to begin with, but we 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 get into that mode where we think, okay, if, if, if I'm not obedient to God must be turning his face away from me. And Ortland is challenging us to say, no, he's actually turning his face toward you in a greater way than you even understand at this moment. He's, he's with you. He hasn't walked away from you. I mean, just think of the implication. If, if, if he saved us, and then we just live this life where he's distant and he's turning his back and, and he's not walking with us. Yeah. What a, a hard uh, a way to live. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the opposite of what he's done, right? He, mm-hmm. he, he is, he has walked in our steps uh, in a sense so that we can walk in his, right? Yeah. It's not about our performance. It's about his performance. And he did it perfectly. And he says, I've given it to you. And not only have I given it to you, uh, credit it to you, um, but I've also given to you, and this is what we're going to you know, talk about in another sermon I'm getting ready to preach on, but he, I've also given to you my spirit, mm-hmm. the, the spirit of the son, that the spirit that the son and his true humanity walked with while on earth, communed with he's given to us. He doesn't, you know, he says to his disciples, I didn't leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I love that. Um, Because he knows, he understands abandonment and we will not be abandoned by him. Day in, day out, he he walks with us through his spirit, um, showing us the father's love. And he understands, you know, uh, there was a song, I can't remember, the song, but it was something like, you know, um, he, he, he knows, you know, he knows all my sins and he loved me the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, he, he didn't, it's while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Right. It, it wasn't, yeah. you don't clean up and then come to Christ. He came, he came because we were so dirty. Yeah. You know what I think about when I, when, when I, I meditate on that truth, is that if other humans knew my sin, they would love me. <laughs> but I praise God that he loves me and he knows everything. Amen. And he draws near to me because we don't treat each other as well as 
you know, with as Christ is treating us. And yeah. of course, we're not the savior, but but if you think of the great truth, we should treat each other more gently in yeah. understanding if we understand our own weaknesses and how Christ draws near to us. Um, the very opposite of that is seen in the parable of the wicked servant, right? Mm. He's forgiven this yep. infinite debt, and then he goes to his fellow yeah. servant and he chokes him out. And that's how we treat each other, don't we? Mm-hmm. We, we, we treat each other so poorly, but our savior, uh, what wealth he poured out on us. Um, and I mean, just imagine he, he took on our weak human flesh forever yeah. to save us from what a wrath we deserved, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, sins we willingly ran to, a rebellion we were willingly a part of, but that doesn't stop his love for us. And that's, wow. Mm-hmm. Merry Christmas, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, you know, we're focusing a lot on, on, on sin, but there's also the aspect of the suffering. Yeah, good. You know, I was at a, a funeral a few weeks ago for uh, a, a friend and, the pastor was talking about how Jesus wept mm. at, at Lazarus passing. And what he was emphasizing was he said, look, this is the moment where Jesus is sympathizing with us saying, this is not right. This is not what I meant humanity to humanity to be. Death is an enemy. And this is something to weep that we should mourn. We sh-, you know, he mourned at that of, yeah. of how wrong, humanity has gone and at the same time he says and remember i will make all things right i am with you i am here this is not the final end but we can weep at at what occurs on this earth but don't forget i'm with you and just that presence and suffering is so important because oftentimes we fail each other you know we get busy with our lives we get distracted or we're just not compassionate we just are tired and don't want to walk with somebody who's struggling but jesus never tires of us he never gets tired of our suffering yeah right and think think about how he treated his disciples think about how he treated peter after mm -hmm. denying him three times yep i mean any one of us would be in peter's face the next time we saw him you know (laughs) Oh, or we, or we'd abandon him. We'd give up. Yep. Ah, forget this guy. Yes. What did the Lord do? He went to him. He restored him and he gave him a, the honor of such a great task for the kingdom because he was going to give him grace to do it. And you're right. The Lord doesn't abandon us during our suffering. He, he experienced suffering for us. He knows it deeper than, I mean, I, I, I hope we don't miss the raw humanity mm-hmm. of the garden of Gethsemane. Yeah. I, everything kind of, we, I think we talked about it last time about anxiety. Maybe it was last time I forget, but we, we talked about that with regard to anxiety and, and fear in a sense, Christ knew what mm-hmm. he was headed to. And he, he didn't pretend he didn't just, you know, show a stiff upper lip or anything. he, he poured his heart out before the father and, uh, but trusted the father. Mm-hmm. 
he he gets us he he knows he knows what we endure yeah so a, a great topic for us to think about and not just at christmas yeah but we know our christian life is throughout the entire year and his humanity uh is important for us to remember um i'll end us with a quote another quote from Orland. um he says the cumulative testimony of the four gospels is that when Jesus Christ sees the fallenness of the world all about him, his deepest impulse, his most natural instinct is to move toward that sin and suffering, not away from it. Amen. Wow. Praise the Lord for that. We have a great savior. And it's a great time for us to rejoice as believers in the midst of this year. We can't forget that this year doesn't cancel our greatest hope that we have in him. So we hope uh, you enjoyed this episode of the Rod and Staff podcast. We love to get your feedback, ideas for future episodes or what you think of our conversations. Feel free to send us an email and we'll see you next time. If you enjoyed this episode of the Rod and Staff podcast, please subscribe and share with others. For more information or to contact the host with questions or comments, please send email correspondence to feedback at rodnstaff.org. That is feedback at rod, the letter N, staff.org.